What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Thursday edition of The Yard. The day kind of got away from me yesterday, had some things to do for the wife's business, and uh, she is safely back in Knoxville, Tennessee for a short time after uh, spending a couple days in San Diego. Uh, I've been here with you, but it was a very productive three days. Now she'll work a few days and uh, head home for uh, college graduation. Our daughter Mia will graduate on the uh, 12th, so a lot going on for sure uh, with us, but uh, you will get your normal Friday show. I hate making changes to the schedule. You guys know I'm an addict. I don't like change. I am adverse to change, even though it's the only constant thing in life, but the reality of it is is sometimes things happen, so I had to push the show back. I appreciate so many of you that reached out and said, hey, Steve, you, you okay? Where's the show? I tweeted it out yesterday just so there wouldn't be a lot of concern. I don't like to ever come up missing, but the uh, reality of it is is that um, needed to push it back to today. So, so here we are. Not a lot of rest last night either. I'm one of those kind of people that, uh, I don't know, I guess I got some control issues, you know. Wife's flying back on the red eye from uh, San Diego, and so I at least made sure she made it to Atlanta before I hit the hay, and then, of course, I woke up like uh, 30 minutes before she uh, landed in Knoxville. So a few hours sleep there, had a nice old layer over there, able to get a few hours sleep, so we'll probably take a nap this afternoon because I am about that life. I am. So our, uh, our, our top story before we get into um, the full show, obviously, is uh, Chris Jans, Mississippi State men's basketball coach Chris Jans, came to terms on an extension, that is big news for Mississippi State. Of course, there were some people with sources uh, that have proven once again they have no sources that were saying Chris Jans was a shoe-in to go to Wichita State. It was a done deal. Wichita State had their guy. It's going to be Chris Jans. It wasn't true. Not only does he not go to Wichita State, he signs a new four-year extension that uh, takes him through the 26-27 season. Base salary of $3.2 million uh, beginning this next academic year with an annual increase and some performance-based incentives. So good news for men's basketball. I know many of you 
are very happy with the trajectory of Mississippi State basketball. You can count me among that number. Basketball is fun again. It is. Mississippi State is a tough out. And I think the best is really yet to come for Chris Jans. I think we hired the right guy. I think we know this. And then here he is in year one makes the NCAA tournament. And, yes, I know it was a play-in game. You don't have to remind me. But the reality of it is is we were in the tournament. And I, there's always that segment of our fans that want to you know, dismiss any accomplishment that we make. But the reality of it is Chris Jans is worth every penny we pay him. It's good to see this happen. Zach Selman, of course, uh, tweeted out some very complimentary things of Chris Jans yesterday. I will be sitting down. I'm scheduled to sit down uh, with Zach Selman next week. So I'll have some information to share over at jeanspage.com and, of course, uh, with you here on the Boneyard. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about that uh, next week. Looking forward, you know, I've met Chris informally. We've, we've spoken a few times, kind of at ball games and traded some pleasantries, but I'm going to sit down and ask him the real questions. I'm not going to go in there and lob a bunch of softballs. I'm going to ask the questions you guys want to know about. You know, hey, how do we make Mississippi State more competitive in the NIL landscape? What are we doing as a university? You know, what are our plans beyond the renovations of Humphrey Coliseum to modernize our men's and women's basketball programs? How do we maintain and improve upon our recent success from this year under Chris Jan Sam Purcell, right? Uh, what are you going to do with baseball, right? Are, are we, are we, what's the uh, long-term plan for Duty Noble Field? Are we happy with how it is? Do we plan to put in some general admission seating? You know, what are our plans football facility-wise? Things of that nature. You know, there's a lot of things out there that I think you guys are very passionate about that you need answers to. And I'd like to know his vision. Right, and I don't want a lot of uh, you know coach speak. I'm not gonna go in there and hey, what's your favorite animaniac or who's your favorite Smurf or anything like that. That's you know, other people can do that. It's not what I want to do. I want to talk about the things that really matter. I want to talk about you know what, 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 where do, what, what's our vision as an athletic department? Where does he see that we're deficient? Yeah, there's also some concern too that uh, you know once that opening at Oklahoma opens up, that Zach may go there. Right, and I think that's worth talking about. Now, Joe uh, Castiglione came out recently and said, "Hey, he's nowhere near retirement." That may be true, you know, but uh, when you begin to age, you know, sometimes medical issues arise. You you certainly don't wish that on anybody, but it is a part of life, and so you never know. You never know from one year to the next how it's going to work. And so we knew when we hired Zach Selman that he would not be a Larry Templeton-type athletic director. What I mean by that as far as longevity, you know, Larry is a bulldog through and through. Uh, he certainly has his share of critics. Much of that is deserved. But uh, Larry did the best he could for us for a long time. But, you know, the days of the generational athletic director are over in many respects, I believe. But nevertheless, I will uh, I'll keep you apprised of what we learned. And uh, I like Zach Selman. I do. I've interacted with him several times. And uh, as I share with you, we're never in a formal sit-down type interview deal. I understand we're going to have about an hour together. And so we're going to go over some things. And i got some things I want to ask about. I really do. i got some things that, are, that I think are important to all of us. You know, and I think one of the bigger questions, and uh, we've talked about this recently on Gene's page, and it's one of the things that I've, I've put a lot of time and, and thought into, and I don't have any good answers. You know, at what point do we stop asking our fans to pay the freight? And that's not something that's just unique to Mississippi State. 
it's like, hey, you know, the Bulldog Club donations are, are not insignificant. The ticket prices, uh, you know, continue to rise around the country. And so, you know, if you want to be, you know, supportive of Mississippi State Athletics, it's more expensive than it's ever been. And so it's like, hey, you got to buy tickets. you got to make Bulldog Club donations in order to improve your ticket priority. And then on top of that, we'd love for you to give the NIL. We can't give you anything in return other than try to uh, put a competitive product on the field. We can't give you any priority ticketing points. We can't give you any access. You don't even get a bumper sticker. You know, and so it's like, at what point, you know, where does that end? How do we fix it? You know, the current model is not sustainable. It's not. We've got to tread water until they come up with a uh, national protocol. But the reality of it is we need some direction. We do. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. They always have plenty of direction there. Remind you, too, live music tomorrow night, Friday night, at Bulldog Burger Company. Be sure and turn out. The fun all starts at, uh, at 5 p.m., Local artist Dale Rushing will be there. So go enjoy happy hour. Uh, have some appetizers, perhaps, and an adult beverage and enjoy some live music. Kind of wind down for the week. Maybe watch a ball game there. Maybe you say, hey, Steve, I don't have tickets or I'm not going to make it to Starkville to watch Bulldogs play Arkansas, but uh, maybe I'm hanging out with friends. Do it at Bulldog Burger Company here in Tupelo. And enjoy some live music. They'll have the TVs on. You can watch a game. Three great locations to serve you, of course, Tupelo there in Gloucester Street, University Drive here in Star Vegas, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make, make you and everybody around you better looking. We all need more of that. Get that chocolate shake to go. I'm a fan of the Nutella shake. I really enjoy the new Mississippi barbecue burger. I've seen a lot of other people talking about it online and social media traffic. I keep up. I do. I love the place. I loved it long before they were a sponsor of the show. I'm very proud to partner with Bulldog Burger Company, a place that uh, kind of you know, defines excellence. Great place to live. Great place to work. Great place to uh, have a part of your life to go have a night out with friends and family. Whether it be, uh, you know, just a family dinner, you know, where you just want to get out and reconnect with the kids or perhaps a uh, friend's passing through town. And it is a little bit awkward. I don't think you can live at Bulldog Burger Company, but you may want to. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people to go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. We have not played a baseball game this week, but uh, there's a lot of news around SEC baseball. I want to get into some of that before we kind of uh, get into what else there is. But uh, big news out of Alabama. And, man, what a rough stretch it's been for the University of Alabama. I wonder. I, I, I said this on Gene's page. I wonder how well Greg Byrne is sleeping these days. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts what's happened at Alabama. Of course, you know, they, they have players involved in a, um, a murder. That's part of the deal, Right. A lot of things going on, and uh, the recent controversy involving Alabama athletics centers around Alabama head baseball coach Brad Bohannon, who was fired today. Now, the release says that he violated the standards, duties, and responsibilities expected of university employees. Now, that's pretty vague, right? But earlier this week, there was a report from ESPN that uh, the state of Ohio, the gaming commission up there, had halted betting 
on Alabama baseball because of some suspicious wagering activity. Now, you wonder, you know, if this is um, connected. You would have to think there is some type of connection. There's nothing at this point that's been released that points a finger directly at Bohannon that he was involved in it, but there clearly was something that's happened here that's led to his termination. There's also a, a lawsuit recently filed against Bohannon and some other members of the Alabama baseball organization that former player Blake Bennett were negligent in the handling of an energy, energy an injury he had back in 2019. So a lot of things, a lot of controversy around Alabama, and they've been a pretty mediocre program under Bohannon's direction. Made the tournament last year. And probably on track to make it this year. But you begin to wonder now, if you're, if you're Greg Sankey, and let's say, hypothetically speaking here, let's say there is a direct link from Alabama baseball to this wagering activity that has drawn some suspicion. It's one of the things that's interesting too. You know, it's like it's it's a it's quite the juxtaposition that uh, someone could deliver a murder weapon to the scene of the crime and continue to play, and then we uh, fire a baseball coach for um, something that didn't involve the loss of life. It's interesting. It's disappointing. It really is. Not saying that Bohannon shouldn't have been fired. I don't know the details behind that. But uh, it's interesting that, you know, a player gets to play as long as your team is competing for a national championship, but you fire your baseball coach over a trans- an alleged transgression that appears to be um, a lot less severe. I don't think anybody lost their life over the Alabama-LSU baseball game. I don't think so. But, but back on track here, what, if you're Greg Sankey, what do you do here? All right, you've got uh, three more weekends before you play the SEC tournament. And so, do you conduct your own investigation here? I think you have to. You have to determine you know, how many games were impacted. Was the outcome of a game impacted by this suspicious wagering activity? Now, the story that I was told, true or untrue, I was told this yesterday, that it was a tightly kept secret that the Friday night started Alabama wasn't going to go. Nobody really knew. I was told that less than uh, a handful of people knew that this pitcher wasn't going to go. And then all of a sudden there's all these uh, betting irregularities and then the pitcher is a late scratch. And so, you know, the theory was is that somebody leaked that information to gamblers. Not that I expected Alabama to beat Paul Skeens and LSU on Friday. I mean, I don't even know how college baseball betting works. I think you can only bet the money line. But the reality of it is, is that, um, and maybe reality is too strong a word, but the rumor here is that somebody leaked information that this guy may not pitch, which, of course, Made it much easier for LSU. And again, I think LSU is going to win the game anyway. But if somebody is leaking injury information to gamblers, well, that's a problem. 
you know, and it happens all the time in the NFL too. I mean, how many times do you see it? Or even in college football, it's like, hey, what's going on with the line? Somebody knows something that we don't. All of a sudden, the line has dropped or the line has risen, and all of a sudden you find out that a certain player is not going to play. And before that information is released, the line often reflects that there's been a change. But there are a lot of people that pay good money for that information. And so you begin to ask yourself, how extensive is this? If you're Greg Sankey, how much of a comfort level can you have? How many other games potentially are affected by this? How does it impact your standings? Do you let Alabama play in the SEC tournament? Right? If all of a sudden there's all these allegations of misconduct and, and you would think, you know, like the Dr. Phil always says, for every rat you see, there's a hundred you don't. I mean, are we naive enough to believe that this is the only game that maybe perhaps there's been some malfeasance? Can you, take, can you afford to take that chance? If you're Greg Sankey, I don't know. But those are the things that I'm thinking about on a Thursday morning is that this thing comes out and it's so serious that a coach is fired with three games remaining. It's not about losing. It's not about player or roster management. Something has happened. And this whole thing about, you know, the, the lawsuit, they were negligent or whatever, those kind of lawsuits happen all the time. That's not something I think that would rise to a level that would be the impetus that you would fire a coach in the middle of the season. I mean, if you, if you found out over the course of the lawsuit that they were, in fact, negligent, well, then you make that decision then. You certainly wouldn't make it now. So I'm suspicious, as are you. I doubt I'm as suspicious as this wagering activity because you, you understand – I mean, I, I don't do a lot of betting these days. Sometimes I'll go, I may go to the blackjack table and take some of their money from them, accept the donation from the casino. I may do that a couple times a year. I don't bet on games. Many of you do. I mean, people love it. They like having a little skin in the game. I've learned my lesson about that. But do you understand how much this had to happen? I mean, how many bets or how crazy the action had to be to catch the eye of regulators? I mean, how many people are betting on college baseball? And how many people would have bet on Alabama to beat LSU? Would LSU's ace on the mound at Alex Box Stadium? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'd love to know the details behind this. But clearly, something is amiss. And I think that we're going to learn in the weeks ahead that there is a connection between this gambling irregularity and the termination of Bohannon. Again, I don't know that he's directly responsible. I don't. I'm not going to make that allegation. Don't know. But it's certainly a bit of a head-scratcher that all of a sudden this ESPN report comes out earlier this week. We don't even make it to the weekend, and there's a coaching change. So in some way, somehow, apparently Greg Byrne feels that Brad Bohannon is somewhat responsible for this, whether it may not may be someone on his staff Maybe it's him directly. Don't know. Don't know any of that. Don't want to get out there and make allegations that are uh, not supported by the evidence. But it is certainly a situation that uh, has kind of evolved here in a few days. I mean, when it comes up, I mean, like like yesterday, the person told me that, you know their their theory of events here 
said, hey, man, it's not really a big deal as long as the coaches and players weren't involved in it. I was like, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, like, say, say for an example, you know, like, let's say one of the Alabama baseball players, you know, shares an apartment with two or three guys or whatever, and they know that he's not pitching and maybe they're gamblers or maybe they have friends that are gamblers and they say, hey, he's not going. You know, so they may go make a better too. But, I mean, do you think they would do enough? Would they move the needle enough to draw the, you know, the, the eye of regulators? I think probably not. But that being said, you know, tips come from everywhere. And so you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Like on yesterday, I was like, hey, you know, again, I'm told that the coaches and players aren't involved. It's not a big deal. Less than 24 hours later, it's now a big deal. And it is a stain on the game of college baseball. And it's certainly another body blow to the University of Alabama. I read over on the uh, Bama Online board earlier, I mean, there were people over there calling for Greg Burns' head. Said, hey, I'm tired of being embarrassed. There's just too much to keep up with. You know, why, why can't we just enjoy sports? You know, granted, Alabama didn't have a great year by Alabama standards last year. Still had a, still had a really good year, obviously. But it's like, hey, you know, we didn't, we didn't win the West. We didn't win the SEC championship. Didn't play in a championship game. Didn't get a chance to go to playoffs. You know, that's life in the big city. But then you have this murder. And now you have this. You know, it's just like it's one thing after another up there. And, and these are not insignificant stories. Anything that rises to the level of a coach being fired in season, it's not related to on-the-field results, is crazy. It really is. And Brad Bohannon, a guy that, um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of respect for in college baseball circles. A lot of people expected Alabama to be really good this year. I did not. I thought they'd be mediocre. Said that on the show. And now this happens. It's just so incredibly interesting to me how this has all happened so quickly. I mean, that series took place last weekend, and he never gets to coach another SEC game. And, uh, if, of course, if he is found to be involved in all this, I think we all know, probably done coaching forever. I don't think he gets the Pete Rose treatment, but you understand my point here. I mean, who in their right mind is going to go out and hire this guy? I mean, and, of course, we don't – again, we don't know the details. I mean, I, I don't think it's a situation, you know, where – or maybe he bet on the other team or whatever, but, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what unfolds here in the days ahead, but it's a very, very unfortunate situation. And speaking of unfortunate situations, the news on Ole Miss Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. 
And then AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out. So you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Left-handed pitcher Hunter, Hunter Elliott's not good. I was told back in February he should go ahead and have the surgery now because it was simply a matter of time. And, of course, you, know, you get that from the agency world. That's what they're always thinking. They're always thinking about the check, right? And that's kind of their responsibility as the advisors for these student athletes to say, you got to think about your future. Now, I don't know what medical information was presented to Hunter Elliott and his family and his coaches. Don't know anything about it. But uh, he has now undergone Tommy John surgery, something that many people projected would happen way back in February. Of course, they tried to bring him back against LSU. Uh, things did not go well, and then Mike Bianco releases a statement that says that uh, he's going to go back and see his doctors, and then lo and behold, he's done. And you hate that. Uh, listen, I don't, I don't care what school a young man pitches for. 
But to see a guy with a bright future like that have to undergo a major surgery like that, you hate it. And now, by and large, people come back and they're better than ever. They have a stronger tendon there in that UCL joint. But the uh, reality of it is, is there are no guarantees. You know, we've had some guys in the past that took them two years to get over this. You know, Stone Simmons, of course, uh, you know, tears his UCL out there at Tulane last year. He's out this year, all last year and then this year. He'll be able to go next year. I think he has two years of eligibility remaining. How crazy is that? But you hate it for Hunter Elliott. And the, here's the deal, too. Like, a lot of people think it only happens to us, right? Because we're only acutely aware of what happens in the big maroon bubble. And, of course, there's some things that happen to Ole Miss people keep up with because they're a rival. Been some big injury issues in Arkansas. Maybe you're aware of this. One of Arkansas's top relievers. Done for the year. Dylan Carter. Torn UCL. He's done. It's crazy. And uh, he's not the first Arkansas pitcher to go down. You know, uh, Bradley Tiger, of course, they feared the worst on him. He did return last week. I mean, so he's one of the few that uh, kind of avoided season-ending surgery. But, um, you know, the reality of it is is that uh, college baseball is in a bit of a crisis right now when it comes to arm injuries. Carter said on his personal social media accounts, Razorback Nation is with a heavy heart that I announced my 2023 season has come to an end due to a UCL tear. This season has been nothing short of amazing. Our team season isn't over yet. I'll be the first teammate and supporter as we finish up the season and begin our run to Omaha. That is the third season-ending injury for Arkansas pitching. Uh, Jackson Wiggins, who was expected to be one of their weekend guys competing for a Friday night spot, was lost before the season. The Nebraska transfer, Cody Frank, lasted about a month, and uh, he suffered an injury. And a couple other guys, too, that uh, have kind of been on the shelf for them. You know, uh, Tavion Josenberger, an outstanding hitter for them, been a leadoff hitter for them, playing center fielder. He's, he's done for a while. Uh, Jared Wagner uh, had, a, had a thumb injury. They hope to get him back. Hope to get him back this weekend. No guarantee. And then uh, Josenberger's probably out until the regionals. Again, we think it only happens to us. And then look down the road at next weekend's opponent at LSU. They may be about to uh, announce their fourth UCL tear of the season. Uh, Blake Money left the mound on Tuesday against southeastern Louisiana, complaining of some tightness. You don't want to over-speculate there. But there have been three torn UCLs already this season. This would be the fourth. Of course, former Mississippi State and Arkansas pitching coach Wes Johnson, the pitching coach at LSU. And so, again, we think it only happens to us, but you look around the conference here, there's a handful of guys on just about every team dealing with some type of arm ailment. Fortunately, most of them haven't required surgery, and perhaps they should. But something has to change. We're getting guys chewed up. You know, Preston Johnson, of course, pitched for Mississippi State last year, gets in the minors, and then he ends up having to have Tommy John surgery. Love that kid, man. Love him and his family. But something's got to change. And I think a lot of it, too, is the uptick in velo. 
we got to throw harder with better spin rate to get better outs. And the question you begin to ask yourself is at what point do you start getting diminishing returns here? Yeah, the guy's electric for a month, and then he's done for the year. Former Bulldog great Frank Montgomery and I spoke on the phone here about a week ago. He said, Steve, the problem today is the kids don't know how to pitch. They just know how to throw hard. They don't know how to pitch. Guys, I'm going to tell you this. My experience around the game of baseball as a player and a coach is the guys that can change speeds are the most deadly guys you face. People say, oh, he's throwing 98-99. In this league, everybody can hit that. If it doesn't have some sink or some movement to it, they can hit it. But a guy that can go out there and change speeds, and, of course, you know, guys like Greg Maddox come to mind, right? I mean, did Greg Maddox ever throw over 90, 91? But Greg's the guy that can go up there and tunnel a change up in the same grip, in the same not the same grip, the same arm slot, the same arm speed. And all of a sudden you're looking fastball and you look silly. Something has to change in baseball. And, and again, it's happened in pros too. The difference is I think they have the technology maybe to take some preventative measures. You know, when they begin to see some issues. But if you don't think pro baseball has paid attention, you know, the next time you have a big-time prospect, I mean, you look at our guy Bradley Lofton, who we, we love. We know that he's a future Friday night guy for us. He hadn't pitched in a month. Got turned down a lot of money to come to school. Now he's hurt. That could be a situation that uh, this was inevitable. I don't know. But I know this. If we keep getting pro prospects to come to college and we keep eating up their arms, and I mean college baseball in general, not Mississippi State, those guys are going to stop coming to college. We got to do a better job. And I'll tell you this, you know, I've talked to uh, you know, some people connected to Pico, and uh, they'll tell you that they were very impressed with how State handled it. They were very responsible. They didn't push him. They let him push the pace. And, uh, you know, things were not as they needed to be. You know, he just didn't feel right, and they continued to, to seek medical advice. And then ultimately decided to have the surgery. And so you're not going to hear complaints about, hey, well, they, did, they mishandled this. It's one thing I give Lamontis a lot of credit for. As soon as the guy isn't right, we, did, we shut him down. We shut him down. Let the trainers deal with him, let the doctors deal with him, try to get him back. A lot of times it's temporary, as it appears the Nate Dome situation is. Nate walked off that mound at Auburn, and I feared he was lost for the season. And then I began to think about probably next season, too. And then I think to myself, he may be done in a Bulldog uniform. Now he's back. He's been released. He's throwing again. He did travel with the team last weekend at uh, Knoxville. I saw him and uh, Cade Smith and Casey Hunt, uh, Parker Stinnett, Stone Simmons, all uh, eating tacos. at soccer taco. That's right, Soccer Taco. If you're in Knoxville, go to Soccer Taco. It's incredible. Some other people were telling me about it. I said, are you, are you saying it right? Yes, it's Soccer Taco. And it is Soccer Taco. It's in a downtown area. You park and you walk over there and you have an enjoyable meal. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. It didn't help us win, but we all got full. All right, time for today's uh, top ten list. And we're going to change it up a little bit today. A little different scenario today. It's still going to be music, but it's going to be based on a theme. A theme today. And the theme is my biggest pet peeves. 
How about that? I got a song for each of them. So the top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Reach out to him at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. And let Blair take care of you, whatever your needs are. You, know, you, you may have an emergent deal. Maybe you've got a wedding coming up, or maybe you've got some car repairs that perhaps an insurance isn't going to pay for. You never know. Let your equity work for you. Cash some money out. Maybe set up a HELOC, or maybe you just need to buy a home. Blair can help you in every aspect. He works for Fairway Mortgage, one of the most reputable mortgage lenders in the industry. They pride themselves on their elite customer satisfaction. Blair's a guy that's been in the industry now, what, 22 years, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, top 1% close ratio in the country. Have somebody out there on the front lines that understands trench warfare when it comes to the mortgage industry. That battle between originators and underwriters is epic. Originators trying to find a way to get a loan approved. Underwriters trying to find a way to get a loan turned down. It's kind of how it works. And there are some underwriters listening to Steve, that's not really true. I was in the industry. I know. I know. I know. I had to go over their heads plenty of time to get some approvals done. Sometimes we don't always work together on the same page. But that's not the case with Blair. When Blair structures your loan, it goes over to underwriting. It's already a pretty tidy package. Mention to him you heard about him on the bone. You're already going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. Be sure and check that out. Today at CloseTheBlair.com. All right, my 10 biggest pet peeves, and, and they, they may not be in the right order. I know the, 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 the top few are. But, uh, but here we go. Top 10 pet peeves. Okay, the number one, the number 10 for me is um, I don't like people with really bad and negative attitudes. I don't. You said, but Steve, that's kind of a, you know, we're all like that. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's really the case. Yeah, one thing is I don't like, there are some people out there that, like they want to engage with you on social media or something, you know, and they're just, they're, just, they're just bad people, or at least they represent themselves to be bad people. It's like, well, I'm going you know, to have a laugh at this guy's expense. I'm going to talk about his recovery and talk about stuff that happened when he was 19 years old. I'm, I'm, I mean, goodness, God, I'll be 51 this year, right? Done a lot of good in my life since then. But um, I don't like people that um, kind of interlope in my life. I don't. And I, I figure most of us feel that way. But I, I'm the kind of guy, too, like I'll only put up with it for so long, and then I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to blow things up. I'm going to run people off, even if some other people connected to me like them. I just won't put up with it. So to represent that, we're going with one of my favorite Asking Alexandria songs. We should probably do a top ten of those guys. Asking Alexandria, the great song, Anti-Socialist. Please stay away from me. Because I don't like you. They use a couple more lyrics that I, that I did. I'm keeping it PG. All right, number nine, I can't stand people that won't work for a living. I understand there's some people, obviously, that have some, uh, you know, that they have some limitations i get it but there are a lot of people that want to go out there they want to steal they want to try to find a way to conspire against you and take what you have there are people that are very litigious they want to find you to pay their way you know i just it that it's just so incredibly offensive to me 
You know, there's so many people out there who want other people to pay their way. So I'm a big proponent of working. So my dad used to always say, son, I'm looking for strong backs and weak minds. Let's get the job done out here and do what I tell you, right? So we're going to go with the Sticks classic sung by the incomparable Thomas Shaw. It's Blue Collar Man from Sticks to represent the fact that I'm very anti-freeloader. All right, number eight. One of my biggest pet peeves, and uh, this happens to me on occasion, and it really sends my anxiety through the roof. Like when I'm sitting down, like working or typing or taking notes or covering a ball game, I cannot stand when somebody comes and stands over me. I, I, I hate it. I want to punch them. I mean, I have to, I have to like control my breathing. It's, I can't stand it. I can't explain why that is. And it's usually on the right side. Like if somebody is standing over my right side while I'm, I'm sitting down, and maybe it's because I feel like I'm in a position of weakness. I used to run with some rough crowds. But um, I hate it. I hate it. It absolutely drives me wild. And I've, I've mentioned to other people on press row. I said, I don't understand why this certain person or this person, why do they feel the need to come stand over me? Why? I'm sitting here working, got my head down. Why do they want to come stand over me while I'm, while I'm sitting here working? I, again, I can't explain it, but I do not like it. So we're going to go with the police track. Don't stand so close to me. Don't stand so close to me. It's like I remember when the whole social distancing memes came out or whatever. <laughs> it's like when this whole thing is over, you people need to still be washing your hands, and I still want some of y'all to stay away from me. All right, number seven. This is one of those ones. My wife gets really irritated with me about this. So maybe my, my pet peeve maybe becomes her pet peeve by proxy. The one thing that will guarantee that I will say something smart to somebody and smug to somebody and maybe disrespectful to somebody are people that stop in thoroughfares. Like if I'm walking into Walmart and I'm just trying to go get my buggy and live my life and get the food to go feed my family – why are you stopping in the door? Do you not understand we're living in a society here? We all have to go in here and get our buggy. And then there are people that congregate in the main aisle, you know, the connecting aisle that runs north and south in the store. I mean, you could get on a side aisle and visit with your friends or whatever, but no, 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 right? we can't do that. I'm getting riled up about this. There's a sense of entitlement with every bit of that. Get out of the way. Talk on the phone later. Get out of the main aisle. We're just trying to live our lives, man. Nobody cares that you need to have this visit. But people don't care, man. They're like, oh, I'll just stop and plop right here, and I'll do it. You go around me, you know. It's an incredible inconvenience, but especially, like, like say, for an example, we're in a crowd, and we're moving. We're moving, and traffic is flowing. We're all fixing to get out, but no, somebody's got to stop. Somebody's got to stop. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? What, why, why are we stopping? Oh, I saw my friend. Well, you, know, you, you and your friend can text later. Can we go? You know? And so I, maybe I'm the one with a sense of entitlement here, but it's like, why would we stop the entire flow of traffic for you? Handle it later. So we're going to go with midnight stars, no parking on the dance floor. Don't, don't stop in front of me. Don't. All right. Number six, I can't stand dishonest people. 
Who's to say we won't survive the truth, man? Just tell me the truth. I'll figure out how I want to deal with it. Don't lie to me. Don't keep things from me. I don't care if it's personal or professional. You know, you, you, you may not want to tell me the truth. You should. But if you don't, at least don't make something up. I can't, I can't stand a liar. I can't. I work a program of rigorous honesty. I'll tell you the truth, whether you like it or you don't. So I can't stand people that don't. Can't deal with dishonesty. So we're going to go with Nine Inch Nails' Terrible Lie is your number six song. Number five, I have a very low tolerance for whining. I have been through a lot in my life. I make no excuses for it. I don't lay against that and say, oh, everybody should feel sorry for me because of the things that I have encountered in life. But there are a lot of people out there that, again, we go back to this sense of self-entitlement. Well, you, you know, you should like me because of this. I don't have to like anybody for any reason. This is America. I can dislike whoever I want to. And I don't have to give you a reason. And there's so many people out there that want to assign motive. Well, you don't like me because of this. I don't like you because you're a jerk. It's got nothing to do with how long your hair is. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me how you live your life. It's how you treat me. I don't care what you do at your house. Makes no difference to me. I mean, you can ride a Harley and shave your head and smoke Roy Tans for all I care. I don't care. But if you come at me and you got a bad attitude and you whine about everything. And I I saw a a video of Dana White yesterday. He talked about, you know, the, the opportunity. There has never been a greater opportunity for greatness in the history of America than there is right now. It's because if you're a real savage out there, you're surrounded by soft people. There's a bunch of soft people, probably a greater percentage of soft people than have ever lived in the history of the United States. And we whine. We don't get what we want, so we whine. And so we're going to go with the Eagles' comeback track, Get Over It. That's your number five track today. Get over it. And get over yourself while you're at it. Get over it. Get over you. Nobody owes you anything. Number four, I can't stand people that won't shut up. I had a discussion with one of my banking friends this morning. I've been trying to get him on the phone all day, and he's like, man, I haven't been able to get off the phone. There's this and there's that. And it's like I got people that, you know, I got stuff I got to do. They don't respect my time. I know what that feels like. And I'm a guy that talks a lot too. I do. But there are some people, it's like, especially when I'm trying to work, you know, I'm, you know, Leave me alone. Respect the, the hustle. So we're going back to the very beginning. It's run DMC. You talk too much. You never shut up. That's your number four track, run DMC, one of the great rap pioneers of all time. All right, number three, I hate waiting. I do. I hate waiting. My wife will tell you probably uh, my biggest character defect is that I'm very impatient. It's true. I am. I'm very impatient, and I, and I am with her a lot of times, too, especially when she travels, you know, because I'm so anxious. You know, I want her to be safe. You know, she didn't respond to a text message right away. All of a sudden, I'm thinking, oh, do I need to get on, uh, do I need to get on uh, LifeLock 360? Is she okay? Has she been abducted? You know, you don't believe that, but you know how it is. All of a sudden, something's not quite right. You love somebody. You want to make sure they're okay. But I'm not very patient. I hate going to a table. I hate going to a restaurant waiting for a table. I know that's part of life. But I don't like it. I don't. I don't like it. So we're going to go with Guns N' Roses' Patience. That's a love song, too. It is. It's a, it's a great love song. It really is. It's a wonderful love song. One of the best love songs of my generation. 
All right, number two, when Ruby and I get out on the road, we're ready to go. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I always obey the posted speed limit signs. Most of the time I do, but I don't always, especially late at night. If I'm out there on the open road in the interstate and there's nobody around me, sometimes Ruby and I get out there and dance, right? But what I can stand, much like people that block a thoroughfare when we're walking, I can't stand people like get out there in the left-hand lane and they're going five miles beneath the speed limit. I mean, you're impeding the flow of traffic, man. And there are some people that are just so bound to determine they're not going to get in that right-hand lane. I mean, you could be the only two cars on the highway. And so i got to pass on the right-hand side. And I can't stand people that ride my quarter panel. It's like, okay, one of us has got to speed up or slow down. Okay, so, you, you know, you, you have exceeded the speed that I was going, and then you want to ride next to me. Yeah, dangerous that is, especially in today's day and time of absentee drivers and distracted drivers, and we're all trying to listen to songs and change podcasts. You could miss something, or a deer could run out in front of us, and then we're, we're riding alongside each other right there. It could be an accident. You could kill me. I can't stand it, but I also can't stand. I absolutely cannot stand when we're 15 to 20 miles beneath the speed limit because, you know, somebody up there just not in any hurry. I'm always in a hurry. And, again, that goes back to having some patience. And there are sometimes I'll tell myself, maybe this is God's way of keeping me out of an accident, right? So he's put this slow driver in front of me. Even though it irritates me to no end, it may be something that saves my life, right? I'll tell you an interesting story about that sort of thing. Back in 2016, I had Ani and Audrey and Mia with me, and we uh, rode down. We left on Christmas Day, and I went to go cover the St. Petersburg Bowl. I took them with me. We got down there in the middle of the night, got in a hotel room, got a few hours sleep, went and covered the ball game, came home. And we were very irritable on the way home. It was not an enjoyable trip, other than the fact that we won the ball game, barely. But on the way down there, I mean, you know, hey, you, you know how it is. You kind of catch up with a convoy, right? I mean, there'll be a group of people. Maybe everybody's going five, ten miles over the speed limit, maybe a little bit more. I like to let people get out of interference for me. Um, we're riding along there, and uh, we ended up going to Bucky's. We stopped at a Bucky's for the first time in our life. I went in there, and we were amazed. And it took a while. And then the cashier was, like, exceptionally slow. I don't know if she was new. I don't know if, uh, you know, maybe she liked my hair. I don't know. You know, maybe she was flirting. I don't know. But it took us forever to get checked out, forever. So we get back on the road, and I'm kind of aggravated at this point because we're making a long drive. It's late at night. So we're going along there, and all of a sudden, I look up ahead, and there's a bunch of blue and red lights. I mean, a bunch. I'm talking maybe a dozen or more emergency vehicles there. And lo and behold, we get up there, and that's that same little group of people we were running in. Yeah. And so it's like when people say, you know, well, you know, God doesn't do this and God doesn't do that. You know, God may not pick your car up and save you from an accident. Maybe you don't see that vulgar display of power. But, you know, God may put a slow cashier in your way to protect you from harm. I don't believe in coincidences when it comes to that sort of stuff. I just don't. I don't. I don't believe those things are coincidences. And so as a result, we have this uh, cashier that is really slow. And had we not stopped when we stopped... We could have been in an accident. So I try to look at it that way. All of that said, though, your good friend and host has a bit of a lead foot. I do. I do, especially all the traveling that I do. 
And so it's Sammy Hagar's classic. I can drive 55. I wish they'd raise the speed limits, to be honest with you. Number one, the number one, and this goes back to three. There's a lot of things they all kind of tie into this one. My number one pet peeve in the world, I hate being ignored. I absolutely hate being ignored. There's, there is a level of arrogance on the other side of that. You know, and so I kind of use that to my advantage. Like if somebody's trying to get my goat, I just ignore them because I figure they'll react the same way that I do. It eats me up inside to be ignored, especially when I'm trying to get business facilitated, right? When, you, when I am your customer and I need you to do something and you owe me a phone call, like a, the, recently there was one individual, I, you know, I'm working through some stuff with the business. And so I called them. They didn't answer. So I sent a text kind of explaining the purpose of the call. Then I emailed them some documents. And then they didn't return the call. They didn't, they didn't even read the text. They didn't respond to the email for like a day. And it wasn't good. It wasn't good. I didn't say anything. But that was not a productive day for me. I'm sitting around like I, like I need this handled before I can take the next step. And so you feel like you're being ignored and say, yeah, you know, Steve, maybe, maybe you're reading too much into it. And maybe you're right. I am. I am. But I hate it. I cannot stand to be ignored under any circumstances. And uh, whether that be, hey, if I've spoken my piece about something, hey, this is what needs to happen, and it doesn't happen, like, well, why didn't we do this? Well, I just don't want to do it. Well, we, that's what we talked about, right? So we're going to go with Lincoln Park's faint because I won't be ignored. That's your top 10. Top 10 pet peeves of your good friend and host. Set to music. Very interesting list today. Some incredible songs. I think you'll like it too. I tell you what too. If you got some pet peeves out there I didn't mention. Maybe hit me up on the DMs and we'll commiserate together. But it's interesting. It's interesting the things in life. Like my wife's always telling me, baby, you just need to relax. You just need to relax. You just need to relax. And as I've gotten older, matured a little bit, there are a lot of things that used to bug me that don't. And my hope is that maybe in the years to come, some of these things won't. But I suspect I'll always be an impatient person that expects a lot of other people. I suspect that's just kind of who I am. And again, I I don't have a lot of tolerance uh, for people that don't want to work. I don't have a lot of tolerance for people that whine constantly drives me crazy that the whining thing absolutely drives me nuts it's like well, what do you what is this going to change why don't you do something to better your lot in life period it's one thing to be passionate it's that thing to whine well nobody likes me well, probably because you whine all the time but anyway those are my pet peeves you may see life differently to me and that's okay that's okay this is one i won't sit here and tell you that my list is 100 percent correct and yours would be wrong because there are things that irritate you that probably don't irritate me and vice versa. It's true. But we're all living the collective experience on the same planet. You know, we've got to find a way to get along. Find a way to make it easier for each other. That's one thing, too. You know, my daughter graduates from Mississippi State next weekend. And, uh, man, I love her so much. I do. I'm so proud of her. My daughter, Mia, Audrey graduated last year. She had her shining moment and is now working very successfully as a computer engineer out in Florida. Very proud of her. But Mia will graduate as one of the most distinguished students to ever attend Mississippi State University. One of the most decorated students to ever walk across that stage. And one thing that I'd share with her, you know, it's not, at the end of the day, 
because I'm an old guy now. I mean, I am. I mean, well, my wife says, oh, baby, we're still young. And, my, and Ian has kept me young, my youngest. I mean, if I, I'd probably have a head full of gray, short, balding hair if Ian hadn't been born. Ian kept me young. He did. But she's like, well, baby, we're still young. We're still young. And, and she looks a lot younger than me. And I always joke with her. It's because I, I worry her less and she worries me. Uh, but be that as it may, yeah, it's one of the things I share with me. I wrote some randoms about her on, on Facebook and, and uh, kind of, you know, some some wisdom about life. And the thing that I've learned and the things that really matter, because I have been a guy that has been incredibly career focused much of my adult life. I've put my career in front of my family more times than I care to admit. And I'm ashamed of some of that. But sometimes you have to do what you have to do. The problem that I have is I convince myself that I need to do this more so than do that. But it's not about the money you make. It's not about the house you buy, the cars you drive. None of that is all fleeting, right? I mean, none of that is really the measure of a man or a woman. It's not. And we tell ourselves it is. And I've told you guys before, when I was younger, all I ever wanted to do was have a BMW. I thought that was like, that was going to make me happy. If I had a BMW, it was a status symbol. It was a sign to other people that I was successful. That's vanity. It is. It's all vanity. Then I had a BMW and I realized the repair bills were ridiculous. I had a BMW for a while, but it's like, it's a car. It's just a way for me to get from point A to point B. Granted, it's a very nice car, but it's just a car. And I love Ruby to death. I do. I wasn't excited about getting her when I got her, but I do love Ruby. I do. And uh, she's been more reliable than that BMW. But um, what really matters is the good you do in life. It's the people you help. It's the love you share. Those are the things that matter. When, when it's your legacy, when you think about when, when I'm dead and gone and nobody's going to stand up there and say, hey, you know, this is who Steve was. And they're going to talk about all the articles that I wrote. I'm, I'm sure somebody will mention how passionate I was. And I had this dogged determination to get to the truth. Right. But that's not how I want to be remembered. You know, I want to be remembered as a guy that loved his wife. I want to be remembered as a guy that raised, you know, four incredible kids that made the world a better place. You know, that's the legacy. And I want all these people too, and there's been so many over the years, all these people in the 31 plus years that I've been clean and sober that have reached out to me because they were lost and confused and hurt and sad and despondent and said, hey, Steve, my husband's an alcoholic. My kid's a drug addict. I found this. My daughter's got this problem, you know. That's the legacy that I want, right? It's that I was willing to help those people, to willing to help people in need. Not, you know, listen, I wrote some books, and I'm proud of all of them. I caused a bit of a stir, right? I caused a, uh, you know, a, a disturbance in the force in many respects and the rivalry. But those aren't the things I'm most proud of. It's taken the wisdom that I have acquired over over three decades of recovery. And I've shared that with other people because I can tell you guys this, I was a hopeless case in many respects. I write about this stuff on Facebook from time to time, and I can't take any more friend requests. You're welcome to follow me. But, you know, it's like I remember, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, but I remember, you know, laying in a bed at Pine Grove, and I just wanted to die. I did. I'd already attempted suicide, 
I failed at doing that and ended up in drug rehab. And, of course, you know, I'm facing all these felony charges. And I just thought the easiest thing to do would be to die, right? And I prayed to God to kill me in my sleep. I said, God, I don't want to do this. But he had other plans for me. And I think a lot of it's just for me to come out the other side. I had a, uh, I won't tell you who, but I had a, uh, a former Bulldog uh, football player's dad sat with me one day, had this real emotional discussion with me that means a lot to me. And uh, eventually I'll write some of this stuff down. But he talked about this, uh, this story he'd heard, you know, about um, there's this great desert. And then, like, people are out there, like, that's part of their quest. It's like a sign of manhood that you have to cross this desert. And so the first guy goes out there, and uh, he's got plenty of water, but he doesn't know where to go. Like, he doesn't have a map. Like, he didn't know where the oasis was, and he didn't know where shelter was. And so he wandered out there in the desert and eventually ran out of water and he died. And then there is the other guy that knew where to go but didn't take enough supplies. And so he couldn't sustain the journey. He didn't properly prepare. And then there is the third guy that knew where to go, brought adequate supplies, and he made it across the desert. And they called that guy the sojourner. And so he could go back and tell other people, okay, this is how you do it. And I think in many respects, that's maybe my purpose in life in many respects, is I can take the wisdom that has been shared with me and the things that I've learned, and I can tell people, here are the things you're going to need to complete this journey, and here's where you go, here's where you stay. And I wrote about some of this in Bloomsville Leander, but the reality of it is, is that all of us have a purpose in life. And for some of us, maybe we find it later in life. But the reality of it is, is that we can all do things to help each other have a better life. And that's probably the biggest lesson that I want to share with my kids is that all of this material stuff, while it seems very esteeming, you know, hey, my employer values me enough, they're willing to pay me six figures, whatever. I get it. I understand that. I've lived that. I had those same goals. And I think once you've had some of that, you begin to realize how little that stuff really matters. You just live in nicer houses and drive nicer cars, but you're still the same person, or you should be. But it's about what do you do to help other people? What do you do for those people that are desperate for help and can offer you nothing? And uh, one of the things that I do, and again, this is not in any way to, to, you know, to, to talk about me in a positive light. I'm just going to share this, some things that I learned. And when I see those people out there begging for money, I always give them money. I always. If I have it, I give it to them. And sometimes I even keep, uh, you know, when you go to the old change place, I give you a bottle of water. I, sometimes I keep the water in my car. And if I see somebody on the side of the road, I give it to them. Because that could be me someday. That could be somebody I love someday. And I need to bank all the karma that I can. You know, and some people are like, Steve, I mean, you call it karma. Listen, it's in every biblical text. You reap what you sow. Every major religion teaches that, right? You be a good person. You put good things out in the universe, you get them back. Well, I've put a lot of bad things out in the universe. So i got to make up as for much of that as I can. But I always think to myself is, you know, what, how would I feel if I got to the end of this deal and I stood up there and said, they said, hey, you know, you had this opportunity to help this person. You didn't. It's not just about you know, banking up credits so I can look good someday 
It's about my fellow human being is struggling. And guys, when I checked into rehab, I was 6'2", 146 pounds, barely eight. And I, I just wanted somebody anywhere to think enough of me to offer me some help, to offer me some grace. And so that's a debt that I'm still repaying these 31 years later. It is not about what you acquire. It is about the good you put into the world. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Stark Villigan institution. I love Campus Bookmart, and you should too. Best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in an own universe. You go by and check them out. You'll be glad you did. Go see their smiling faces. Bully Shop has been completely renovated. Everything is upstairs. You don't have to walk down the stairs anymore. It's all upstairs, right there at street level. Walk around, see Miss Pam Minyard, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. She married a musician, too, and, and she looks like a woman that married a musician, right? Because guys that play drums and guitar usually get good-looking wives, and she is. She's wonderful. I love her to death. She's amazing. But if you can't make it to town to see the lovely, talented Susie in person, visit them on the World Wide Web, and they will handle your order with love and care just by going to campusbookmark.net. And by being a lawyer boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Roberts, and that gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Be sure and outfit your family, your office, your RV, your pet, whatever you got. With Mississippi State merchandise, rep the brand in all ways possible. Nobody's doing a better job helping you outfit anything that you require, Mississippi State merchandise forward, than Campus Bookmark. Okay. We didn't talk yesterday, so let's talk today kind of about, you know, what's happened kind of within the league this week on the field. It's been a tumultuous week off the field. Uh, Ole Miss had to rally from behind. They were down 10-8 in the eighth, I guess it was. And they come back to beat Arkansas Little Rock 12-10. Arkansas Little Rock took down Arkansas earlier this year. Not a typical midweek opponent. They're going to – they're – they're in the Ohio Valley Conference. I looked it up. They're second in the conference. They get a chance to win that tournament. You know, that could be a tournament team. So that's not a typical midweek game. Not, I'm not in any way trying to excuse Ole Miss's play there because you know, Ole Miss should be able to hit their midweek pitching, should they not. But Ole Miss survives 12-10. Florida continues to roll on. I, if you recall, I thought Florida might be the surprise pick in the East. Not really much of a surprise, but uh, you know, Florida maybe didn't have the year they should have had last year. They're kind of back on track this year. They take care of Florida State. Florida State had a tough year. Link Jarrett down there year one, you know, you, you give him pretty a lot of grace, but uh, they have no chance. No chance. I think they're 12 games under 500. Georgia survives a tight one with Kennesaw State. And you know those guys at Kennesaw State all wanted to play at Georgia, so they have an ax to grind. But they win the ballgame 10-9. Of course, you know, Georgia lost two out of three to Ole Miss over the weekend. They needed to get a win for sure. It's going to be interesting to see how things play out for that brand of Bulldogs over these final three weekends. Tennessee blasts Wofford, 13-3. Not much of a ball game, nor did you expect it to be. Tennessee just absolutely rolling right now. It's like the last two weeks we have seen the Tennessee team that people expected to see in week one. They have the rough weekend to open up. Lose two out of three. Then they get swept by Missouri. We get an SEC play. But Tony's got them going again. They brought the jacket out of, out of uh, storage. They're playing like we expect them to play. 
They're going to be tough down the stretch. Missouri, 9-7 winners over Kansas. Your Kansas, of course, um, you know, a team that um, saw their shortstop leave and go to Tennessee, part of a tampering investigation. But Missouri gets them, 9-7. You know, Missouri and Kansas should play in everything. Just not, I mean, maybe they disagree, but they should. Vanderbilt gets Georgia State, 11-5. You know, Georgia State, of course, uh, beat Georgia here recently. Vanderbilt, interesting, probably the only team in our league that is consistently throwing strikes. I think that's the difference between them and the rest of the league. I think that's why they've consistently kind of remained at the top of the standings is because they're able to throw strikes. The rest of us, it's been an adventure. Our friends at Arkansas lose to Lipscomb, 8-6 to six in 11 innings. That's a tough one. We swept those guys. Of course, Auburn got them too. Lipscomb has played Tennessee, played Vanderbilt, a lot of SEC teams. So you think Lipscomb ought to be battle-tested. And they go into Fayetteville and put a snowman up on uh, the Razorbacks to win that game 8-6. to six. Been a tough stretch for Arkansas. I mean, it really has. I mean, you think factor in the injuries. While Tennessee is getting better, Vanderbilt appears to ride, ride the ship. Arkansas eh, may be a little bit flimsy here. Texas A&M, another team that's still got a lot going on, they barely get Tarleton State 6-5. Interesting ball game. I don't know if you kept up. I don't know if there's any Tarleton State fans out there besides our buddy Mason Miller. But Tarleton State had a chance to win this game. Guys, it was 4-3 Tarleton State in the seventh inning. And then ADM puts three spot up in the eighth. And then Tarleton State gets a tying run to the plate in the ninth and lose six to five. I think we can get those guys. Maybe I'm wrong, but I do. LSU takes care of southeastern Louisiana 10 to nothing. And in that ballgame, of course, uh, you know, we, we talked about you know Blake, Blake Money leaves them out with some tightness. And, and you hate it, man. You, you hate it. It's, it's not like injuring a hamstring, right? It's not like jamming a finger. When you got to go under the knife for surgery, sometimes it's a two-year deal and you, you hate it. And maybe I'm a little more sensitive to it, you know, because I had a, had a college baseball kid in my family that um, didn't get to play his senior year, you know. Uh, last night, Wednesday night, South Carolina takes care of Winthrop 6-1. to one. South Carolina, a legit team, still not quite there. Losing that series to Auburn, he's got you know there'll be a top eight national seed, but you look at it and say I don't know. All right, so you got a couple series that start tonight. Ole Miss on the road at Missouri. This is this could be a sneaky good series, right? I mean honestly. And here's the thing that I look at with this, and I haven't looked at the win patterns for Columbia, Missouri this week. I haven't, you know, I, I do that for us. I, I haven't looked at the advanced wind patterns, but this time of year, the wind typically blows out to right in Missouri. And then, of course, Ole Miss's better hitters, left-handers. So this could be a very offensive series. And I don't think the Hunter Elliott news will have any impact on Ole Miss at all. I think they've been bracing for impact since week one. I mean, right, they've, they've kind of grown accustomed to not playing with him. So, But Missouri is an interesting team because, again, they, win, they sweep Tennessee and then probably won't win ten games in a league this year. Pretty crazy how that whole thing has kind of you know, worked out for them. But uh, you're kind of looking at their numbers here. You know, it's just – 
they do such a good job in non-conference, and they have all this confidence, and they go take care of Tennessee. And we're like, wow, look at Steve Beezer. It has been really rough here as of late. They lose two out of three to Alabama. Excuse me, lose two out of three to A&M. Beat Missouri State. They're swept by Alabama. They beat Southeastern Illinois. They're swept by Florida. They beat Kansas, and now they get Ole Miss. And so those guys are kind of hungry for a win. You know, Ole Miss, of course, uh, you know, wins the series against George last week. You guys say Ole Miss probably playing a little bit better than Missouri is. But you remember how we felt going up our last year? We're like, oh, we got this. And then we, we win the Friday night game and don't win another game the rest of the year. But that's going to get underway tonight. Be awfully interesting. And, uh, it's you know, it's different, too, going up there and play. It just is. It's a different place to play. The vibe is different. The atmosphere is different. The, um, the temperature is different. But that'll be an interesting series. I think it could be a really good series. And Vanderbilt's at Alabama. So how does Alabama respond? You know, there'll be, probably be a lot of Alabama media at that ball game tonight. There usually isn't. But there could be tonight. Vanderbilt obviously coming to town, trending towards a top eight national seed and perhaps an SEC championship. How does Alabama respond? You got to know those kids are shocked. They're getting ready to play a ball game tonight. They find out today their coach is fired. Not to mention – Anybody is asking questions about this gambling thing. I mean, you know, does it involve the players? We don't know. They have to be interviewed, right? You, you would think. Does that prove to be a distraction? I mean, obviously, I don't think Vanderbilt is a team that, uh, you know, needs a lot of help. But I think Alabama could be in trouble anyway. I expected them to lose this series. But, you know, Vanderbilt could sweep them. You, know, you say, well, they, they could rally behind them. How do you rally behind this? You're like, hey, well, there's these allegations of, uh, you know, potential wrongdoing involving gambling and college baseball. So, you know, it's not like a rallying cry where, you know, a guy gets injured or he's sick. Or, hey, we're going to go win one for coach. You know, you may have a situation here where somebody connected to your program cheated a game in some form or another. And so it'll be interesting to see how Alabama responds. I don't see this as a situation where they're rallying around their coach, though. I, I just I don't see it that way. Maybe you do. I don't. All right, let's get into Friday, and uh, we'll spend a little more time on these uh, series tomorrow. But uh, Tennessee is at Georgia. South Carolina is at Kentucky. Florida is at A&M. LSU is at Auburn. And, of course, Arkansas is here at, uh, at Mississippi State. So tomorrow we'll preview the whole weekend and spend some time talking about the, uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks. And, guys, listen, and maybe it's because of the fact that my son Ani lives in Arkansas. A lot of his friends are Arkansas Razorback fans. But, yeah, I kind of got a soft spot in my heart for Arkansas. And I hate the fact that they've come in here and embarrassed us the last couple trips. You know, remember back in 21, we were all fired up, and they we, we couldn't wait for that matchup because we had to wait two years for it. We went over there in 19. They embarrassed us. In 20, we were supposed to play on that first weekend in SEC play, and, of course, the world comes to an end. We finally get him back. And I remember talking to Tanner Allen. He goes, man, I've been waiting for this series for two years. And they came in here and they rocked Christian McLeod. And they embarrassed us. I mean, Christian Franklin had the weekend to dream of, right? And then we go up there last year and we finally get one on Sunday. That's a game that Cade Smith got hit with the ground ball. And Luke Hancock comes through with a clutch hit late. And we win the ball game. And I remember uh, Jackson Fristo. Jackson Fristo, big, big strikeout for him to get us out of an inning there. 
But we have not played well against Arkansas for the last three, three years, four years, I guess. So it's going to be interesting. But I do have a soft spot for Arkansas, and a lot of it's because of their commitment to college baseball. I love Dave Van Horn. I know he can be a little bit prickly at times. But this is a guy, and I've talked to some people in the Southeastern Conference, and they all agree with me. Dave's probably the coach of the year this year. When you think about the things they've lost, the things they lost to the draft, and the fact that they're still contending for a top eight national seed, they have been exceptionally good at home. They have not been good on the road. So we'll see. I think it's a toss-up series. If I had to call it today, I'd say Arkansas beats us two games to one because how can you have any confidence with what we've seen on the mound? And I don't know how we're going to respond, right? Do you? I don't. I don't know. Now, we'll tell you this. I have talked to some people, had some extensive conversations here in the last couple days, talked to a lot of people. And Mississippi State has not planned to hire an interim pitching coach. We're going to kind of do it by committee. Uh, Lamonis obviously going to be very involved in all that, kind of overseeing that. You know, the day-to-day stuff doesn't change, and then we're going to kind of give the catchers a little more autonomy to call some pitches based on the scouting report that we put together. If this guy's proven that it's tough for him to pick up spin or he can't catch up with a fastball or he doesn't handle a changeup. But uh, I think you're going to see Luke call out of the pitches. Ross will catch some too. He may need a little more guidance. Right? He's a freshman, right? But – Roy Oswald tweets out yesterday a picture of Bully, and, you know, people kind of freak out. And I thought, well, maybe there is something to it. You know, maybe, hey, you know, maybe we changed our mind here. Because I was told the day that, that Fox was uh, terminated, we didn't plan to hire an interim coach. We're just going to kind of do a back committee until we get to the end of the season. Uh, but the, the hope is, is that perhaps all this will rejuvenate the team. Maybe we come out and have a little fight here. And uh, I've spoken to a few people, uh, and I'll, I'll share with us too, uh, a lot of people have been worried about Nate Dome. Nate is fine. Nate is fine. It, it scared me to death. It did. I, I love the kid. I love what he brings to the table. I've had a chance to kind of get to know him, he and his family a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, he's good to go. He's good to go. He's good to go. So, um, just be ready to go. So, Nate, again, cleared to pitch this weekend. Don't know. We'll be careful with him, I'm sure. But you know what a competitor Nate is, Right. And so, given the chance to go get a, a dub for his team, you know he's going to want pitch. And uh, I'm just glad, not just for the season and for our team, whatever, but, you know, you get to know these young men as individuals. I'm glad for he and his family that he's not having to deal with that season-ending surgery that could ultimately cost him next year, too. So, we'll see what we can get out of Nate. But uh, I think, you know, when again, when you look at what Arkansas has lost – and maybe what we're kind of getting back, this gets, I think it's going to be a very competitive series. I, I do. I don't think it's going to be like last week. I think it's going to be similar to what we saw at Auburn. Hopefully we'll get a little better pitching. I think it's going to be very, very close. You remember the LSU, and Ole Miss games are all three one-run games, four one-run games, right? And then we go out to Auburn and kind of do the same thing. Let's in a different way. We didn't pitch it as well. Offense was there. But I expect a competitive series. I mean, you know, I don't think we're ever going to 10-run rule them. I don't think they're going to 10-run rule us. But who knows? I've been surprised by this series before. But I do. I think Arkansas, yeah, it's just a matter of time before they win an AFL championship. It, it is. It is simply a matter of time. I'm just glad we got one before they did, right? But Dave Van Horn, in my estimation, is a NAFL championship caliber coach. Like him or not, the guy knows how to coach baseball. He instills toughness in his players. And that's one thing that I, I'll tell you about Arkansas. And you see it. They always seem to find a way. They never feel like the game is over. They compete with every bat. They're a hard-nosed team, and I envy that. 
and then I, and there are times we have been that. We you know we hadn't been the last couple of years, but Arkansas is tough, and that all starts with Dave Van Horn. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Portico. Uh, Brooks Bryan, our friend, part of a, a great group of organizers bringing this wonderful residential development to Starkville. Your new neighbors are already enjoying the high life. Give Brooks a call today at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Very easy to get to. Turn off 82 on 12. I go into campus. The very first right. That's Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stoppers portico on your right. Next time you're in town, maybe swing by and check it out yourself. If you've always dreamed of having a place here, you can make that dream a reality. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two under development now. Many of those homes are already sold, but there remain some available. And, of course, there's some lots where you can pick out your lot and have a say in your housing plans. Maybe you need a custom build. Maybe you need a bigger nursery. Maybe you need an office space. They can, they can accommodate you. It's not a cookie-cutter development like so many others. If I was moving to Starkville, that's where I'd move, to Portico. Give Brooks a call today again, 601-416-8075. You can start with a two-bedroom home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and everything in between. I don't know your needs. You do. They can give you a plan to make Starkville your home. Make Portico your next move. Okay, a lot of discussion as late about football, and we're kind of trending towards that, right? Looks like baseball is not going to be what we hoped it would be. So we're going to be talking about football sooner rather than later. Already having some of those discussions over to jeanspage.com message board. Now, people keep asking me, Steve, why are you so optimistic about this team? Well, I'll tell you why. Number one, we're going to have one of the more veteran teams in the Southeastern Conference. We are. That's a plus. One of the negatives is we're making a complete overhaul on offense. However, when you look at what Kevin Barbe did at year one at Appalachian State, I think it gives you a little confidence. This is a guy that knows how to maximize the talent available to him. But that's a negative. It is. And people say, hey, Steve, we're going to, you know, we get a new coordinator on defense. Well, we really don't. Zach is still very much involved. Uh, Matt Brock has been in a system now dating back to 20. This will be his fourth year in the defense. Did an exceptional job calling plays in the Illinois game. We set a season high for sacks in that game. Very blitz-happy guy, a little bit measured at times. You know, Zach at some times was like this, throw caution to the wind, let's go. You know, let's go win the game right here and there. I think Matt's maybe a little more methodical in how he does things. They, they do design some interesting packages, but that's a positive. We're going to run the same scheme with basically the same players with a play caller that is very familiar with both our personnel and our objectives on defense. Obviously, you lose Emmanuel Forbes, and you lose Jackie Matthews, and you lose Colin Duncan. And let's be honest about that. I mean, I think Colin Duncan's a guy that was a good player. And he's just recently signed an undrafted free agent deal. Jackie Matthews did not, and I thought that was a shoe-in. I think Jackie's a stud, but he didn't get picked. The NFL people don't agree with me and you. So we've got to kind of shore some things up in the secondary. But the best way – to kind of disguise a leaky secondary is to have a dynamic pass rush, and we do. And I think we have two of the most dynamic linebackers in the Southeastern Conference. you got two of the top three tacklers in the league and Boogie Watson and Judd Johnson coming back. I expect to be really good on defense. I think moving Marcus Banks to safety is a smart move. That's a cover guy. 
a fast guy that can cover guys in a slot. Decam, I think, is our next great corner, and he may be a guy that actually projects even higher than Emmanuel Forbes and Martin Emerson. That's high praise considering where Forbes went in the draft, but Decam is probably a better athlete than us three. And so I expect Decam to be that guy this year, and we need him to be. You know, he's been the he was the number three guy, then he becomes a number two guy. Now he's a number one guy. But I got a lot of confidence in him. I have a lot of confidence in Darcel McBath. You know, safety play, that's the real issue there. You know, who is going to end up playing safety over there? Uh, but I have a lot of confidence in Darcel. I think he'll do a great job with the corners. And, you know, we'll see how things go at safety. On the offensive side of the football, I think Will Rogers is going to show all of you that he is more than a system quarterback. There are a lot of people that said, oh, he's just a great fit for the air raid. It's a plug-and-play position. But it's really not. And I think Will is a guy, too. You know, when I, the best I've ever seen Will Rogers throw to football was at our pro day. It was phenomenal. On target, hitting plays down the field. And Arnett's quick to remind you that uh, his completion percentage on passes over 25 yards is among the nation's best. We didn't throw a ton of them, though. But I think you're going to see us take some shots this year because of the fact people are going to have to respect the run. And that's the thing, too, with this offense. You know, the, the thing about the air raid is, even though there's always an answer for everything, we didn't always utilize it. But we're going to be more balanced, and so as a result, I think it's going to take a lot of pressure off for Rodgers. I think Will is going to play a lot more freer. Listen, there's no way I can, you know, excuse the way he played against Ole Miss and at times against Illinois. He took some chances and a couple of unnecessary sacks that led to turnovers. And fortunately – Defense bailed him out, as did Tulu Griffin. But I think we can both agree, too, that Tulu Griffin and Woody Marks probably underutilized in the air raid. Not that Woody didn't get a ton of touches, but Woody is a running back by trade. Woody wants to carry the football. I think Woody is a guy that halfway through the season, people in the SEC are going to be saying, where did this kid come from? Well, he's always been here. He just wasn't given the opportunity to maximize his skill set. You returned four starters on the offensive line. I like the group a lot. You don't have LaQuinson Sharp and Q's a guy, obviously, that uh, has kind of been through the wars a little bit and kind of understands how people wanted to attack us, but it's a completely different dynamic now. The blitz packages that we saw against the air raid will be different. We'll see a lot more run blitz this year. And I think having a veteran offensive line will help us, you know, with that. And I think, again, I think we're going to do a much better job getting the ball to Tulu Griffin in space. Got to keep him healthy. But I like our team. And I love our schedule. And a lot of people are like trying to pour them out this team. Oh, we're probably six and six, seven and five. If that's the case, with what we have coming back with this roster and this peach of a schedule that we have, if we go six and six and seven and five, then we're going to probably make a coaching change here in a couple of years. And I just don't see that happening. I think Zach Arnett, again, every opportunity that he's had to disappoint you, he has exceeded your expectation. Not only has he met the expectation, He's done everything we've asked him to do. Zach is an extremely intelligent guy. He's ultra competitive, and he'll get that out of his players. The defensive guys love playing for him. They did. Offensive guys loved him too. They didn't like him in practice because he was always making them look silly. But, but the players respect him. And so will there be some growing pains? Absolutely there will be. And I think that's one of the reasons you know, the non-conference schedule is so important for us. You know, we're going to have some time to kind of get – our legs under us, and, you know, you know listen, we've got to get going pretty quick. But I think when you look at the fact that 
you get Southeastern, right? And then you get Arizona. You know, State should win both of those ball games, and then LSU comes to town, and that'll be a huge ball game. Huge. LSU won the West last year. State should have beat LSU last year. Jaden Daniels kind of won, you know, single-handedly beat us down the stretch. We'd get him in third and long. We couldn't get him on the ground. He'd move the chains. And people forget we had a lead in the fourth quarter in Tiger Stadium last year with an offense that was absolutely putrid in the, in the second half. We couldn't do anything offensively because LSU, from a talent differential standpoint, as far exceeded what they had on their defensive line compared to our offensive line. We just could not keep them out of Will Rogers' face. I think the fact that we're going to run the football is going to make them have to be honest. And then we go to South Carolina, and that's a toss-up game. It is. South Carolina lost a lot last year. Shane Beamer's done a good job there. And then we get Alabama. And so, you know, you really would like to be 4-0, but I don't think we will be. I think 3-1 is probably where you look at right there. And then Alabama's tough. And then, then Western Michigan, you got to go to Arkansas. And Arkansas replaced two coordinators, too, and completely revamping both sides of the defense. And, they, and of course, they had some portal losses. And everybody said, well, they had a great portal class. They did. But the reality of it is, is when you begin to look at this series, it has not been a good one for Arkansas. I think sometimes our people, it's like we're afraid to have confidence in who we are and what we've done. And you don't have to take my word for it, right? Let's just look at this Mississippi State-Arkansas series here in recent years. Let's just take a look at it. I mean, it's a little different deal, I think, than people fully appreciate. We have done a really good job against them and should probably have perhaps the longest winning streak in the series. So let's go all the way back. I mean, just kind of running the numbers here. You're all the way back to 2012, right? That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 games. We've won eight of 11 against them. Eight of 11. One of those was a year that we had the bad case of sermonitis and Arkansas didn't punt in the entire ballgame. We put up 42 points in that ballgame and lost. And then we get beat in 20, a game that we gave away. You go back and look at that game, how many times did we get in the red zone and come up empty? Because K.J. Costello couldn't read a defense. And then we missed three field goals in 21 in Fayetteville and lose by three. And Will Rogers, of course, takes us down the field and puts us ahead, and then Zach and his guys couldn't get off the field, and Will still takes us down and sets up a game-time field goal. We couldn't kick a field goal. And so you start looking at this and you say, you know, hey, we've won 8 of 11. We probably should have won 10 of 11. I like Sam Pittman a lot, but I think Sam Pittman's seat may be getting a little hot this year. K.J. was injured some last year, but, hey, you say, we got to go to Fayetteville. I'm not scared to go to Fayetteville. And I don't think you should be either. What have we won? Three of the last four in Fayetteville and should have won all four? So all of a sudden, Arkansas is Alabama. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't agree. I, I just don't agree. Not to say that Arkansas won't be a bowl team, but you remember last year I kept telling you guys Missouri was going to beat Arkansas, and they did. So that didn't bother me. You know, having to go to Auburn – you know, Hugh Freeze is a guy, obviously, that knows how to coach offense, but they had a lot of losses. They're not going to be great this year. Uh, they're still dependent on Robbie to run that offense. You may have seen T.J. Finley is in the portal going his third team. Maybe the problem is not the school, right? 
But we've won two in a row against Auburn, and you date back a little bit more here. You know, you've won three of the last five, you know, against these guys. Three of five and, what, five of, uh, five of nine against them? And you, you, you look at the, the trips to Auburn here. I mean, we've had some abysmal trips over there. Uh, we really have. You know, we got destroyed out there in 17, and, of course, we went out there in, in uh, 19 and just weren't even competitive. And then we go out there and put together the you know, biggest comeback in school history. And you look at that and say, that's a game we probably should have won. But we did put up 43 points in the game. And then you win 39-33 last year over Cadillac and the boys. And uh, give him a lot of credit. A lot of our folks were like, I can't believe this. And then they saw Auburn go out and play as well as they did down the stretch. You say, hey, it turned out to be a better win than we thought. But, but that's, that's one you look at you don't know. And you think about Kentucky – and, again, that's a game – you look at our four losses last year. You lose to Alabama, no shame in that. You lose to two-time defending national champions, and you lose to the winner of the SEC West. And then there's Kentucky. A game we had no business losing, but I give them credit. They shortened the game on us. And uh, outside of the, the uh, Emmanuel Forbes pick six, we only put up ten points in the game. You're not going to beat anybody in this league scoring ten points on offense. Yeah, but for a stretch there, we dominated a series. But if you look at what's happened in, you know, as far as them coming into to Starkville, we beat them in 21. Uh, we beat them in 19. We beat them in 17 like a drum. We beat them in 15. We beat them in 13. Uh, beat them in 10. We, we doubled up in 11, 12. I had a switch there. But it has been all the way back to the Sylvester Croom era that Kentucky has won a game in Starkville, Mississippi. I don't know why. It's been more difficult to go up there and play, give Mark Stupas guys a lot of credit. They have not played well in Starkville. They haven't. And so, yeah, I'm counting that as a dub, and I think you should too. We got to go to A&M, and you look at A&M and say, hey, you know, this is a series too that uh, I don't think most in the SEC give us enough credit for. I don't know that many of our fans give us enough credit for this. You know, we lead the series 9-7, to seven, and we have won five of the last seven against Texas A&M. Five of the last seven. I mean, let that sink in for a second. So it's like, so what is it that we're afraid of? And we have won two of the last three in College Station. There's a lot of fans down there. And this is a Texas A&M team, too. People forget how bad they were. They beat LSU last weekend. I mean, that's the outlier. They were not a good team last year. And so is it beyond the, the realm of possibility that we could go down there and win again? I think we can. I'm not saying we will, but I think we can. Then you get Southern Miss here and you get Ole Miss here. So when you start running the numbers here, you know, hey, well, Steve, I think six and six. Guys, I, I think eight and four isn't the goal. I think eight and four, anything less than that is, is a disappointment. I mean, should we not win all four of these non-conference games against southeastern Louisiana, Arizona, western Michigan, and southern Miss? Shouldn't you win? The, aren't you counting those four? But, Steve, Arizona, you're, you're talking about a helmet sticker. Right? And that game was really never close. It really wasn't competitive after their first drive. And then in six of the last nine years, we've gone at least four and four in the SEC. So you don't think we can pick up four? We've got eight home games last, next year. We've got four games on the road 
And all four of those games are toss-up games. South Carolina, toss-up game. Arkansas, toss-up game. Auburn, toss-up game. A&M, toss-up game. So you have your more difficult games at home. So I'm going to keep beating this drum. There's no excuses for us not to go out there and have a really good year. It's not. Again, will there be some growing pains? Absolutely. I don't expect to beat LSU. But I do expect us to have a chance to go beat South Carolina. I don't expect us to beat Alabama. So we're probably three and two after five games. But I think you, know, you begin to look at the rest of that and you say, hey, everything is at least a toss-up. I don't think there's any other sure losses on the schedule. I think it's okay to expect more. Maybe I'm alone. That's fine. I'll be alone. And I remember the last two years, I'm going to go back. I told everybody in 2021 that we were going to make a bowl game. I said, hey, we'll, we'll win six and get to a bowl game. Turned out we won seven. And I told you last year we'd go eight and four, and we did. And so I think this year, even though we have made a very dramatic change on offense, I think we'll be as good or better than last year. And, again, you know, I think nine and three is probably reasonable. I think it is. I think 10 and 2 is possible. But when you run through this thing, it, it amazes me the people that say, oh, we're probably a 6 and 6, 7 and 5 team. What, what in the world are you basing that on other than your own insecurity? It's not on recent results. It's not on returning talent. So what are we basing that on other than your own insecurity? Well, I'm just afraid to expect more. I, I'm, listen, I'm expecting to have a really good year this year, and I'm going to do my best to enjoy college football. Because barring a major injury, your Bulldogs are going to be a really good team. All right, if you had not done so, go to dogpilotbook.com. You can get most of my sports books there. And uh, it's Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Dogpile. And everybody needs Dogpile. If your dad doesn't have it, buy it for him for Father's Day. He'll be glad to kind of reminisce about the year we were the uh, Diamond Kings. Blooms of Oleander, I have elected not to renew that for next year. So you need to buy that in bookstores, or you can get it uh, through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMillion.com, but it's print-on-demand. I'm not going to do that next year. I figured I've sold all. I'm going to sell that. So I'm not going to keep throwing money after that. But with that, we sold a lot of books, and I appreciate everybody who bought them. Uh, and then if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, you can find it at StarkVillains.com. That's also a good Father's Day gift, or perhaps a Mother's Day gift. There's some Stark Villainesses out there as well, if that's, a, if that's the right term these days. And if you're not a member of jeanspage.com, go out there and be a part of that. You need to be. We love you, jeanspage.com. You can interact with our experts every day and join some spirited discussion with other like-minded Bulldogs and some Bulldogs that maybe don't agree with you. We allow all viewpoints over there, good, bad, or indifferent. As long as you don't get too personal, you can stay and uh, be a part of our group at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Until next time. Let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.